Hello fellow Redbirds, welcome to Bird Fans Forever podcast number 26. If you're new to our channel, you should check out our at Bird Fans Forever Twitter account and follow in order to get the first notice of new videos that we publish. You can follow along there also for other information and fun polls. Our website is www.birdfansforever.com and on there you can find our links to all episodes of our podcast across a plethora of apps. Apple, Google, Spotify, and others, as well as a tab to access our videos on YouTube, we were also called Burr Fans Forever. So dunk on the YouTube subscribe button and follow us on Twitter so you'll be the first to see new episodes and get other fun information from us. Our guest for today is Anthony Slack, who played with the ISU Redbirds from 2006 to 2008. We'll be right back with Anthony. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Bird Fans Forever. I have my boy here, Anthony Slack. He played here from 2006 to 2008. Um, go through some of his highlights. 2007, his uh, junior year coming in, he's a transfer student. Uh, 2007, he's newcomer of the year. 2008, he is honorable mention all conference and also he's on the defensive team. Uh, he's got 20 rebounds against Creighton and has a big hats off to that one. 14 rebounds in an NIT game against Dayton. He's got eight double doubles. Um, he's number 10 in steals for a season at 43, right in front of Rick Lamb. Two bigs, all the rest of them are guards. So hats off to the bigs. So. Mr. Slack, thank you for being on. How you doing, big boy? I'm great. First off, I appreciate you guys having me, man. Um, when I heard about the show, uh, I was excited to get on here, but I'm definitely looking forward to kind of just chopping it up with you guys, man. But I'm, I'm excited. It's an exciting time. It's always a great time to be a Redbird. It is. It is. And, and Anthony started, I really started becoming friends with him after the 2006 in the alumni game. He became a huge advocate for his his era, right? And, and when we do the alumni stuff, it's about your era, those five or four or five years you played, you know, because those are the relationships you have, right? And, and right. Brandon Holtz will be on right before you, and I've now got Boo and the rest of them pinging me because we got a text thread. <laughs> I get to hear all the crazy stories from your time. So it is, it oh, is, man. it is wild. So, all right, big slack. We always start with how'd you get to ISU? Oh man, um, and that's that's just gonna be a fun story right back. Uh, so you know, me and Boo, uh, we went to Coffeeville JUCO together, and um, that's how I met Boo. And we kind of built a relationship there. And uh, Boo actually committed to Illinois State. The weekend Boo committed, I actually took a visit to Missouri State. Okay, at the time, I think it was Barry Henson at the time. Yeah, I go to Missouri State, and I actually verbally commit to Missouri State. Boo! <laughs> now, now wait, this is where it gets kind of crazy. I get back to uh, Coffeeville. I'm talking to Boo. I'm talking to my coach, Jay Herkerman, at the time. They're like, you, you sure? I, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to. And so then Boo, being a smart guy, he said, okay, listen. He said, listen, you got these guys here at Missouri State. He said, you got Dillard and Ronnie Carwell. You know, I said, you got a 6'11 shooter and a uh, Levi Dye. And Boo looked at me and said, man, you tell me you can't beat these guys out? And so that was just a competitive zen me. And so I'm like, all right. So I, th I thought about it. I said, you know what? I'm going to Illinois State. And so I, <laughs> I switched it up. I made the call, right, to Coach Moser and them. And everybody was excited. Boo was excited. <laughs> and lo and behold, Coach Henson still got a girl <laughs> to this day for that recommitment, man. So that's how I ended up um, at Illinois State, man. And so, But I, I made a great 
great, great decision. Don't regret the decision at all, man. But um, it, it's a blessing to be able to be a Redbird and truly, truly enjoy um, playing my two years there. It is a blessing. Glad we got you. All right, big man. <laughs> so we're going to roll into our second question. And the second question is, uh, you went through a coaching change, just as I did. Uh, how is it to go from Porter Moser to a Jankovic program? Um, it, it it was difficult for me at the time just because of the mindset that I had and then a lot of us had at the time. I think Coach Moser did a great job of bringing the right players together. Um, but what we felt at the time was the this, this play style didn't fit us. We had a lot of athletic guys, a lot of guys that allowed to play fast, right? For myself, play above the rim, play hard. You know, um, Dillard as well, play tough, defend. Um, and during Coach Moser era, it was more of kind of not play as fast unless we pick and cho- choose the time to run. But it was come right. down and run plays, run plays, run plays. You know, having a guy like Boo, who's very quick and very demanding and just a playmaker, um, yeah. we felt it kind of limited what our potential was. Right, and so but Coach Moore did a great job of what he had, but we just felt that we had a higher ceiling. And so then, um, as we know, Coach Moser left, and then Coach Jank came in. And similar to that, the play style in a sense changed. You know, Coach Jank had the background from the KU era, you know, and right. so he brought that play style in. And he allowed us to truly, truly kind of open up and play. He allowed us to kind of play to our strengths, you know. And I, I personally felt it was great because for me. I couldn't at the time really, really bang with those guys as much. You know, um, I was 6'7", 210 pounds soaking wet, and really just, (laughs) you know, I needed needed to truly use my speed and just my work ethic. You know, I wanted to tire guys out. And in Coach Coach Jenks' um, play style, I was able to do that, you know, which in turn it helped me, you know, play pass on lanes, get steals, get fast break dunks, you know, use basically my energy and effort to create opportunities on offense. You know, and so that that difference of a play style from its coaching standpoint truly helped me in a sense blossom and become who I eventually everybody saw, and then also helped us as a team. You know, become just truly a team where we made a run to, towards the NIT. So, kind of playing in that era, just the difference of a coach, um, it sometimes in a sense shows you kind of where you can be potentially. And it's just about finding that right fit. And just thankfully, I was able to learn from the Moza era and then kind of grow into that Jankovic era and truly become the slack or quote-unquote slack attack that everybody called me, you know? <laughs> right. So, but, yeah. So Dude, was, 43 steals in a season, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you would get some great steals and get out in the break and go, and so. Yeah. Um, Moser was known for defense. Did, did, did he emphasize that more in practice? Or, or yeah. Was... Um, yeah, I, I would say that it was it – was, it was always a defensive mind. You know, we hung our hat on defense. That's something I was actually only good at. I didn't really get to the offensive game until later, but um, that's why I felt at home, you know, um, playing, playing, passing, going, get blocking shots, trying to guard every position on the floor. You know, and Coach Moser preached that, and we kind of really took that to heart. And then also understanding kind of, once again, the play style and what we were. It was like, okay, we know, in a sense, we're not, in a sense, we're going to be a top-scoring team. But if we can hang our hat on defense – you know, with a lot of us in a sense love, then we can kind of create easier opportunities for us to keep ourselves in games, you know, to in a sense do that. But I, I love it. I love faith guarding a person or even guarding guards, you know, and getting the right, best right. of them. You know, because I knew I wasn't going to score that much. I knew I was going to – if I fast break dunk, 
throw it up, I'll go get it. Offensive rebound, I'll get it. You know, don't put me at the free throw line. <laughs> I, I, I was uncertain at that time. But I was I needed to once again utilize my strengths I had, you know. Right. And, right. And I was able to excel at it just thankfully, you know. So just just go to show knowing exactly your role at that time, um, as as an athlete, why you continue to get better. Yeah. And I didn't read all your block shot records, right? You got like five or six block shot records. At yeah. some point, I can't read all your records, or else we'd have a thirty-minute <laughs> Anthony Slack record reading contest, right? And, and that's people want to hear you talk and not me talk. So, so, so all right, we can we can follow up questions. So, so, Jank, he opened up the offense for you, right? Correct. And, and, and really opened up. And, and um, look, I, I remember the biggest thing with you is some of your dunks and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You had another high flyer on on that team with you, right? Osiris. Yeah, so yes, I'm going to ask you straight up now. Did you guys ever have a dunk-off contest? And, and, and who would win? Uh, it's uh, a little bit different style, right? Uh, but, yeah, but Osiris, was, he was far more flashy than me, man. And also, I was a two-legged jumper. Osiris can do one, one, leg, and, and one leg and two-leg. Yeah. He'll probably he, – he won – up until my professional career at the time, Osiris would beat me like Phil Harley. But uh, but we used to kind of have our dunk contest in practice sometime, and like Osiris would kind of show off his one leg move. Okay, you got it, Oak. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. You know. But yeah, man. So, so Osiris will definitely win that. Very cool. All right, next question. We're gonna roll into. You were talking off air the boot camp, so let's hear about this boot camp. Funny, funny story. Thank God players that they don't have to go through this, guys. <laughs> Thank God. So, the, Jank, the Jankovic era, right? Um, so, Jank comes in, talks, tell us everything he got planned for us, right? We're great. School starts, we get into some kind of practicing, right? Right before we say, hey, you guys, we're going to put you guys through, like, a two-week boot camp. What is that? Hey, two weeks, you're going to just do conditioning. 14 days straight. Okay, cool. Nothing good. Been there, done that. Yeah, nothing good. Cool. So, the day of it, we got to be there at 6 o'clock, okay? Look at this, y'all. I know you want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Special guest yeah. star for Mr. Yeah, Slack. Yeah. Me attention. Yeah, so we, get yeah. So we walk into the locker room, and we have camouflage shirts with our names and numbers on them. And I'm oh, like, my God. I'm like, we're about to go to war. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what is this? So cool. We're all in the locker room joking about it and having fun. First day we there, we look, we walk into the North Gym. We got Coach Rourke at the time. I think he's at Texas A&M, a strength and conditioning coach. He used to have a big dip in his lip. He looks mean as crap, right? <laughs> and we see about 10 stations on my state, eight to 10 stations. And we're looking like, man, what is this? So Coach Jenks, everybody got a station. We get out of our station. And so every station, it was 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, right? And so we did that for the first seven days the last three days you go through that but then you had conditioning suicides at the end mm -hmm. in the last three days we had to do 2022s and then i think it was something else i can't remember off the top of my head but when i tell you guys after the second day we were sore we were going to get in the ice tub and thank god for john month for trying to keep us as healthy oh. as possible we did that and then you had to go to class. But let me tell you guys, here's what's going to make this funny. And I can't wait for you guys to interview Dima if you haven't interviewed Dima. <laughs> we used to pray Dima made his time so we didn't run again. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. We we used to run a twenty twenty twos. Demo would literally have to dive at the end to make his time. But I tell you, we I forgot. I think it was the eighth or ninth day. We were running, and everybody made their time. We got Dima huffing and puffing, and we're not sure Dima gonna make his time. <laughs> and we just praying. And I don't, I don't know if it was Boo or a Dom at the time. They start cheering him on. Dima sprints, and he flies over the line to make his time. And he turns over, and I can tell you, I'm look. It looked like Dima soul left his body, guys. <laughs> Dima, he, he, he's, he's laying, he's laying on the ground. He's speaking to his foreign leg. Like <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And Dima had a funny like, Slacky, I'm good. Slacky, I'm good. <laughs> and I tell you, man, it was just so hilarious because we never knew what to expect. But I tell you, after that, we were in the best shape of our lives at that time. You know, yeah. in today's day and age, I don't think they truly understand or truly have been through the work ethic that we've had to go through, you know, to be successful, you know. And so you got to think about that hard work and then having to go to school and keep your grades up and then really putting in the time, you know, to actually be at your peak night in and night out um, for, for yourself and your team. So, And you are the tail end of the NCAA before they changed the rule to 20 hours, that's all they can practice us. You are like me, 20 hours is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, I mean, limit. we were practicing <laughs> and conditioning 40 to 60 hours a week. Oh, man. Easy. 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 You, we yeah. used to have that boot camp in the morning. Then you had, like, <sighs> practicing or something in the evening, you know, and, like, you couldn't get mad. You couldn't fake out anything. You had to be there, you know. And I'll say the great thing about that team that I was on in that Jacob era, most of us did come from the mode of recruiting phase. But to go through that and just see, like, how hard it was, but to see the camaraderie we had as a team, you know, that, that, that helped us. And, like, I mean, I'll tell you guys, I owe a lot of this to, to Boo because Boo's second is probably, I would say, the hardest working guy I've ever played with. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome. like my best friend, but his work ethic to see him be so small and so little, but just never just like, he just had, just kept going, you know, and that's why he was, motor. yeah, that's why yeah. he was just quote unquote, like our leader, you know, because he could change games and shift games with his energy and just even, it, it started in practice and having guys like that. I mean, you can't fail if you're going to follow that, you know, and so you, you keep what you're left. And so, I mean, it, it was great to have that. And I don't want to leave people out. You got from Seattle, Isaac to Jude Moore, all those guys, I mean, it was a great, great year, you know? So, it's Tuesday night. Tomorrow is uh, ISU versus Bradley, okay? Uh, when this gets posted, the game will already be played. But tell us about that rivalry and, and, you know, the war on 74. Hey, it, it, it's, it was one of a kind during our time. Sell-out sell out crowds in both arenas, hostile environment at birth. It was a hate-love relationship. You know, you hate, hate them while you're playing, but... You know, it's all love after the game. But um, coming into my time at Illinois State, that's all kind of what you hear about. Illinois State versus uh, Bradley. Bloomington normal, Peoria. You know, that, that, <laughs> that 40, 30, 45-minute drive. But um, just being a part of that, that atmosphere against Bradley, it, it does something to you. You know, and kind of my first uh, junior year, um, I didn't play much or I didn't play well as I would say I did. But going into my senior year, and I played my senior year, and funny story, the first time we played them at Bradley, 
um, hostile environment. I only played, I think, seven or eight minutes because I messed my shoulder up. Um, went up to uh, block a shot and ran into the back pad. And I was out actually for like the next three games of that. But I told my guys, I promise you, we're going to kick their behind us. I, I don't remember we won, a lo- we won or lost that game. I think we lost that game. But I said, they come back to ISU, excuse my language, we're going to kick that. You know, and this is this is where this is where, and I tell you guys, and I tell you like I, I love Boo because Boo was like, you know what, you know, at the time it was all about Bradley and Daniel Ruffin and all that. And Boo hated that because Boo thought he was the best, and he hated that Daniel Ruffin got a lot of the publicity. And I say, you know what, you're my guy. I'm gonna ride for you, and we're gonna get after it. And so coming back to um, Illinois State game, we like sold out. Standing room only. You can't hear yourself talking. I mean, these are the moments you live for. You know, and from Amen. start to finish, Amen. it was a war. You know, and I mean, as as a player, I these are memories that to me last a lifetime because you get lifetime. in there in the games, you're thinking about everything you need to do. You know, you're tired, but the crowd's hyping you up, so you keep going. You know, and at the end of the day, you want to do what you need to do to win that game. And thankfully, you know, we have Osiris, who I say is probably one of the best red birds ever, you know, just gifted to where, you know, we knew overall we could lean on older score the ball. And, you know, you got guys, myself, ooh, Dom, you know, uh, Brandon Sampay, Dima, who's great defensively. Then we had guys like Hoskins who come in the game and, like, knock down shots. Just being able to bring it all together at the highest moments, man, you know, and win those games, and then we got the crazy student section to wherever I, <laughs> I love it. I live for it, you know, and I, and I can't wait till we get back to those days because to have those feelings, and now, like, I'm, what, 18, 19, 14, 15 years removed, and I still in the get goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> you know, but just that robbery in itself, you know, it, it brings the best out of each and every one of you. And, you know, you, you build a brotherhood with not only your players, but even those players afterwards, you know. Um, I ended up playing semi-pro in Bloomington Normal with uh, Daniel Ruffin, you know? Did you really? <laughs> yeah, on the Bloomington team? In, yeah, on the Bloomington team, on the Bloomington Flex. Me and uh, him and his brother, A.J. Guyton, was the coach, you know? And so I did not uh, know yeah, that. Yeah, we, we used to laugh and joke about it, you know, <laughs> about the rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, we, we kept it going for a while, you know? But uh, once again, it's, it's just those once-in-a-lifetime moments to where the rivalry right. in those moments, it is very heated. It's very, very competitive. But at the end of the game, it's all love. You know, and so those are the moments you live for. Just kind of being a part of those are going to be forever uh, just sketched in my memory bank. That's awesome. So let's talk about a couple of games where you had some great personal accomplishments. Uh, John mentioned one of them uh, at the beginning of the segment. 20 rebounds, 2-0 against, <laughs> against Creighton. Mm-hmm. That's like four or five games for a, a good player, <laughs> for a good player, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what happened in that game? Were you just possessed or? Hey, we're going to fuck it up to my family. You know, it was senior night, so my injuries are already through the roof. But I had about 20 family members in town. My mom and my sister, my, <laughs> my grandmother came down, my aunt came down, two of my cousins came down, I had family come from Milwaukee. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hard. And I, I knew at halftime, <laughs> I think I had about nine or ten at halftime. And I was like, man, hey, I wasn't tired. I don't I don't know what was into me that game. <laughs> Maybe I was that. But I, I just was, I mean, it was just, you know, sometimes as a rebounder, 
your anticipation is on, everything's going, yeah. you know, you're, you're going, you're flowing through and just like you see the ball where it's going before everybody else. Right. And so just being one of those guys where just, I'm a, I'm a hard worker. See you night. I got to go out with a bang, 15 points, 20 rebounds, four blocks. And we, we destroyed them, you know? And so um, that's just one of those memories where it's, Hey, you live for those moments as a player, you know, you put in all of the work, you know, and just so happened that I was blessed to have my family who hadn't seen me play much through my college years, you know, be there and witness that. And now it's forever, you know, kind of etched in ISU history, but also my history. So again, it's always a blessing. It's always a blessing. And I mean, always a blessing. I, I wish well, I had was more Dana, of those. Was Dana the, <laughs> was Dana the coach of Creighton at that time? Altman? Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Dan Altman was the coach at that time because they still had. Didn't, didn't he stuff. like? Didn't, didn't he like lean over and yell at his players like, "Get a, get a body <laughs> on the right?" Yeah, I mean, you got rebound number twelve or thirteen. Yeah, but you got you got to remember, my my goal was to always wear my opponents out, right? I'm not right, going to bang right. with you. You know, Coach Jane taught me a great thing where if I'm in a post and I'm playing defense, I got to keep moving. And I tell you, I got on guys' nerves like Dennis Rodman. You know, like, why he moving so much? Well, here's why. If I keep moving, you got to move. If I don't move, you get a, I get a steal. And so by the time, like, after the first time out, right, I'm already anticipating everything. So now you yeah. see where I'm moving. So it was it was just, hey, and I'm skinny, man. I, I was At the time, I was skinny. I, yeah, you know, if you, if you, you better find me, but I'm going to get it. And I had, I was blessed with a great second jump. And so just being able yeah. to get off the ground so quick, you know, I was able to get my hands on it, you know. And so, once again, doing what I do what was at that time was rebound the ball, and that's what I just tipped my hat on, you know. And, and Steve, I love how you said something about the uh, um, coach saying something. Here's what the coach would have said. Somebody's got to put an ass on slap well, I was say put it. him <laughs> on his ass. Well, that's what would have been said. Yeah. Not that, hey, somebody's going to go find slap. You know. No, they would have been coming up to each one of us, right, Biggs, and saying, you got to put an ass on Slack and get him slowed he, down, right? He, so, he would have said, knock his skinny 210-pound ass on the ground, right? Yeah. <laughs> or into the bleachers, right? Put his ass in the bleachers, and they didn't do it. And yeah. Slack goes for 20 rebounds. He just yeah. outworked them and out-hustled them. Yep, amen, Brother Ben. That is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's it, it just it, it, it's having that motive. It's, it's knowing what my responsibility was. You know, get those extra yep. possessions, rebound the ball. I want, the scoring guy, people don't understand, Osiris was out with score. I just created yeah. opportunities by having a work ethic. You know, and so once again, that's from growing up. And I love, that's why I tell you, I love Boo so much because Boo helped me with that. You know, we used to play one-on-one every day, you know, and just being able to try to stand in front of him and just working hard and working hard. Just like when it came game time, man, you 6'8", 240, you're done, right? I'm going to wear you out. <laughs> you're 6'10", you're 6'10", you're 300 pounds. You're going to need a sell before the first time out. Right? No, that was, I always had my goal. I wasn't, you can't, you couldn't throw me the ball in the post consistently for me to go get a rebound. So I said, two offensive rebounds, four points. I can hit one of, two or five free throws. I, I had my, my own agenda with it. You know? Wait, did you just say two, two or five, five free throws? Two or five? Come on, brother. You know, but yeah, but once again, it didn't transition. So my, my biggest thing was, hey, if I can win these wars, you know, or at least make two people try to come to me. That even frees up an opportunity for my teammate. You know, and, and people have noticed Osiris was a great offensive rebounder. 
you know? Yeah. And so just, just once again, knowing our roles and having that, that camaraderie with each other, like, hey, man, I know what I'm good at. You know what you're good at. Let's all get out there and stay within ourselves, you know? And over the course of that year, I mean, we played really, really well a lot. And so that game was one of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys really turned it around in, in, in that year. You guys, I think it was 25 wins. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty damn good. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you went to the NIT. So let's talk about that. You played Utah State, played them at home. Next game, Dayton. John mentioned that you had 14 re- rebounds in that. Talk about those two NIT games. Um, first, it, it was a it was a great opportunity for us. You know, not a lot of people get to play postseason, so we were kind of in this season off, off a high. You know, you know we had we had did lose in the Missouri Valley uh, Conference Championship, but we were still on a high note because of what we had um, and it's, it's the success we had the success we had throughout the season. You know, um, coming from that prior year where we had, I think we went fifteen and sixteen to now taking a new coach in, coming in and going twenty five and but ten at the twenty four ten at the time, um, we still wanted we still wanted to play for something, you know, not not only just for ourselves but the fans and everybody that support us, you know. Um, ISU Redbird basketball is being talked about and talked about a lot, and so as we got into that, you know, the practices leading up to that that Utah State game, you know, we wanted we wanted to leave our imprint, and we didn't want to just go in there and say we made it. We wanted to go in there and actually win, you know. And so, out off to the coach for having the prep. As a team, we were, you know, almost fully healthy in that moment. And so we went out there, and that game was just, once again, it's, it's everybody executing, you know, when we needed it. You know, Utah State hard, hard for our game, had a couple of bigs, but once again, we were able to outwork them and ended, and win, end up winning that game. You know, and then go to the second round, we go play Dayton. And I, Dayton, I think at the time, what it did come to us, they played, uh, they had Brian Roberts, if I'm not mistaken, a guard who ended up getting drafted and having uh, played for the Hornets and a couple other teams in the NBA. But, um, the chip didn't fall for us, but even throughout that game, we were in that game all the way up until the end, you know? And I just, once again, it just sometimes it doesn't work out for yourself. But we had a great experience, you know, got the innocence, played two NIT games after not even making a postseason, you know, and just right. leaving in a sense where we still feel we didn't accomplish our goals, but we still left on a high note to whereas ISU basketball was still being talked about. And now players like myself are graduating now starting to look forward to like a professional career so overall being able just to play in a postseason in itself you know was a blessing and then also winning and truly truly trying to make a deep post post playoff run you know it it, it was a blessing yeah and only 14 teams have played in the nit since 1977 so that'd be 46 years so that is a feat in and of itself right there so that is awesome yeah and it broke a dry spell i mean you know after uh stallings left yeah, there was a dry spell. Let's call it what it was, right? And, and yeah. You, you guys went to NIT. It's at the table. There was more NIT uh, runs under Jank mm-hmm. and, and, and Dan, and, and uh, you know it, that that was the year that turned it around. Yeah, and it's it's once again it's all to everybody, not even just the players, but like I said, the community. Like we had people rallying behind us, you know. And as players, we feed off that and just great season. You know, and just being able to string together that run and once again starting to have that momentum to where I is being talked about and you got players coming in to where, like, now we're consistently making postseason run. You know, there have been many times since after I graduated where we've been very, very close to winning a Missouri Valley Championship, you know, and then just still making NIT. So, yes, we did a great job of, in a sense, putting ISU, I don't want to say back on the map, but giving it more recognition, you know, for the future players and just from the standpoint of the community. And so it just... 
it's always great to look back and see what you accomplished as a whole within my career. Not many people have a career like myself and a lot of my teammates have. But so, um, once again, it's always a blessing to be a part of it. You know, we can talk about it forever and ever. <laughs> All right. We're back with Anthony. So, behind every great player, there's some inspiration and motivation. So, let, let's talk about some of yours. Okay? All right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we're diving into it. This is what I love talking about all the time. Um, first off, a lot of my inspiration and, once again, the motivation is, is definitely kind of with the kids. You know, um, once I kind of became an Irish Redbird, having to having the Redbird um clinics every summer being part of that being able to kind of help hands-on with that and kind of teach kids basketball see the smiles and things i i was passionate about that and so um as i in a sense progressed through my career and every time i came back in the summer if i could help i could help assist with the um, summer camps you know and that was a joy and so then even once i retired a lot of people may not remember this but i went coach that coffeeville um, for about a year and a half and then had some personal issues with my sister i'll kind of get into but when I came back to Illinois, a lot of the relationships I had and built, I wanted to act on that, you know, and, and I yeah. wanted to, in a sense, really help um, the next generation. And so I created what, awesome. what at the time I had, it was called like Slack Skills Academy. And it's, it was um, <laughs> it was called teaching life lessons through the game of basketball. You know, and yes, it was out to my experiences, but it was also teaching these young men how basically through the game you love, you're going to build a lot of characteristics, whether it's, you know, discipline, um, teamwork, right. you know, um, even in a sense, communication, a lot of this life skills we have, you're going to learn an environment in which you love, yep. you know? And so I was able to get through a lot, you know, and that in a sense, I mean, I've, I've reached a hundreds of kids, you know, I even created a U program, you know, to give these kids more exposure, you know, and to this day, um, I still in conversations with a lot of them, you know, I'm, I'm have one guy who I actually coached from the sixth grade all the way up until he graduated high school. He was out here in Arizona um, last weekend. Um, we couldn't get to see each other, but just kind of having those relationships to where it's like, yeah. hey, yeah. even after like 10, 12 years, you know, you see the impact you have on these kids where they're becoming and now they're young men, you know, and hopefully continue to pass that along. And so that that was an inspiration in itself and just being able to truly give back. You know, and leave my yeah, impact. Yeah. You know, and so that that's that's always a joy and it's a blessing to me to be able to be coming from New Orleans, Louisiana, you know, going up through the ranks of basically basketball and always wanting that and now being able to provide that opportunity to kids. You know, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm not as um into it as much as I am as I was in uh, Illinois out here in Arizona, but I still get out, I still get in front of kids, talk to kids about kind of life and then also basketball. You know, just the will to be better, you right. know. And then also I talk about just from a life standpoint, how to overcome a lot of adversity, you know. And that we can dive into kind of one of my motivations with my youngest sister. You know, um, my youngest sister had a very, I'll say rough life. Oh, as you guys know, Hurricane Katrina 2005, my family got displaced, Um I ended up was at Coffeyville at the time, then, you know, go to Illinois State. During that time, my youngest sister uh, had a rare disease called focal segmental glaucoma sclerosis with FSGS, which is basically, you know, scarring a kid and things. And um, it was very tough for her. She went from being very, very healthy young woman to innocent, having to be in a hospital, you know, three times a week. Right. And so that was my motivation because 
I'm looking at my youngest sister, in a sense, fighting for her life. You know, she no longer right. had a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and here I am pursuing a career. I can get up in the morning. I can go practice. I can go work out and do these things normally. And then I have to take it back and look at my sister and be like, man, like, this is what she's going through. And so that, that right. motivated me. You know, I, 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 I told myself, you can't lose. You know, like your family, they, they, they love you. They want to see you win. And so that was my motivation. And so throughout my career, anytime things got rough, I looked at my youngest sister, you know, and um, I'll tell you guys a quick story is like, um, I remember going home one time over Christmas break. And I want to say it was 2000 and either nine or 2010. And my younger sister, she go dialysis on Monday, come home on um, this. She could, she had to be used the bathroom. I think every three, four hours. And now, mind you, my mother was our caretaker. So mama, my mama was doing this religiously. And so mm-hmm. I, when I used to go home, I'd be like, okay, mom, I got it. I'm thinking I, I can do this, right? After the second day, I'm kind of sick because I'm not sleeping. Right, right. You know? Right. And so just to kind of say, okay, you, you got to work harder, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so once yeah. again, that's where when people see my, the motor in me, they see my passion, it's because, like, I felt like I, I owe that to my family. You know, I'm, I'm the only boy out of four kids, I, and I don't know my father. And so I always felt like I, I had to lead by example with that and being able to, like, truly have these situations where I need to make it, right? And failure is not an yeah, option. Yeah. And so just kind of having my sister as that backbone to every time I, something got hard or I felt like I felt I, faced, I, felt, um, I had to face adversity, that was something that kind of motivated me and, um 2015, when I finally gave it up due to injuries, um, that was when my sister did pass. She passed January night, 2014, excuse me. Um, I still had to, like, I had to get through it, you know, because that was right, kind right. of a, a turning point in my life where it's like, okay, we fought so long and now she's gone. Um, like, I, I kind of hit a dark spot. And so yeah. that's kind of how I went into fitness, you know. And so I told myself, and a few people know the story, that, I need to feel pain, you know? And for me, going to the gym and working out was my, like, my release. It was my reset. And it was my way of coping with losing my youngest sister. And then after seven months of, after seven months after losing my sister, I lost my grandmother. And so fitness, fitness in a sense saved me. And then those young kids in Bloomington, normal, who I was training, a lot of people don't know this. Like, they, they kept me going. You know, and, right. and, and, and they say they say you find solace in the things you love. And I love teaching those kids basketball and I love working out. And so from a fitness standpoint, people look at me now and be like, oh, man, you have your shirt off. You're doing all the modeling stuff. But right, the, right. the origin of that comes from pain. Right. And so for me, I like I say, it's a blessing. It was a blessing and a curse because I needed to go through that to become who I am today. And so thank God I've truly just in a sense became a quote-unquote model. You know, I've been blessed to um, have those opportunities, but it was created from a sense of me needing to release emotions um, from what I had went through. And so um, all of that, in a sense, just kind of motivated me to become who I am. And every time I get an opportunity to talk to people about life, you know, I talk to them about it because we all have a story, right? And for for the young boy or young woman who, in a sense, may struggle and may not know their place, like within life and sport, I'll, I'll always say, just keep going, figure it out, right? Just do right. one more day. That's a quote I always say, it's one more day. 
right? If you feel like giving up, just fight one more day. And if you string together enough of those, you're going to be better. Right. You have no choice but to be better, right? Right. And so find something that truly motivates you, you know, and don't worry about what the naysayers other people say. Find what motivates you and use it to pursue your passion with a passion. For me, we went from basketball to coaching, coaching and training kids, kids to fitness. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I just I just used every avenue I could, you know, until I found my place. You know, and I, I I'm always loving sharing stories with these kids, you know, because it, it's going to motivate somebody. You yeah. know, yeah. and my my goal until my time is up is to continue to put myself in positions to help somebody else. You know, whether it's through awesome. whether whether through basketball or life, you know, that's that's my goal, and I feel that's truly what my purpose is. That is awesome. All right, big man. This is where we wrap it up. So you got the floor to talk about whatever you want here at the end. And so thoughts. Um, first thought is, I wish we had been beat Drake with Adam Amin. <laughs> listen, listen, now hear me out. And this is what I just thought about. Y'all, y'all see the public sheep already. So I'm glad we're about to wrap it up. But they beat us to the point where this man got a hamburger named after him. Right. This guy went on what it was uh, uh, the drive-through, whatever the, the TV show is, and got a burger named after them because of the success they had. If we're to beat them one time, I'm almost certain we'd have made the NCAA tournament, right? And, and there would so, the, have been the slack Big Mac, right? <laughs> <laughs> or you're gonna say it'd been the slack attack. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but yeah, man, that 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 was uh, one of the things that I would even think about, man. But also, um. I, I just always like to talk to, I hope whoever sees this, that you find some motivation within yourself. You know, um, believe in yourself when no one else does. You know, and people won't see your vision and truly understand you until after you're accomplished. You know, the day before you're successful, you're not successful. Right. right? right. And so keep working and follow your own journey, follow your path. And so um, I appreciate all you guys for allowing me this platform, man. Uh, we got we got to got to reminisce on some memories, talk about Bradley, you know. Um, and just, just I, I appreciate the opportunity to get in front of you guys and relive this, man. Um, and as always, man, I'm I'm gracious to be a raver. I'm grateful for the opportunity, you know, to have Illinois State imprinted in my blood. Yeah, it always, 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 you know, helped me become who I am today, man. So thank you guys, and um, I, I enjoy the platform. So I'm looking forward to what the stories the rest of the guys have. Yeah, and, and and we're hoping to have a lot. I mean, we're just going to keep rolling until we've hit every Redbird I can find. And so, um, you know me, right? Uh, I'm a Redbird like you, right? You and I have bonded over this. You know, you've you and I have worked on the alumni stuff. And again, it was you know, it was a big love watching you play. Um, you know, I played 19 years ahead of you, but man, to see you go at it was just <laughs> awesome. Um, and so. Thank you, Mr. Slack, for being on. Love you. Uh, and with this, this is Bird Fans Forever. This is episode 26 with Anthony Slack. We are out. Do we have a, do we get, do we get some clapping? All right. <laughs>